as I mentioned last week, we were, we were looking at um, Ephesians 3 and that prayer that um, Paul wrote for the church at Ephesus. And uh, we're, we're back there again because it was one of those things that are just, it's sort of like a terrier. It sort of got hold of me and wouldn't let go for a while. So I thought, well, rather than fighting and moving on, we'll just stop and we'll wait and see if God has yet more to teach us or to say to us from these verses. So, um, so we're in uh, Ephesians 3, if you have a Bible. We're going to hear the words read to us um, by Sheila and Martin Fletcher from the parish church, um, because I thought it'd be just lovely to hear this prayer read, prayed for us by people from another branch of God's family. So it'd be, it'd be good to, to hear that. Now, I have to confess um, I'm yet I'm on a very steep learning curve in making videos so um, the sound quality on this is not particularly good so please don't worry about trying to turn up the, the volume on your device uh, if you have the bible with you we're in as I say Ephesians 3 starting from verse 14 and Sheila and Martin will read that for us thanks Gareth Ephesians 3 Verses 14 to the end, Paul prays for the Ephesians. For this reason, I kneel before the Father, from whom his whole family, in heaven and on earth, derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you all with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power, together with all the saints, to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ, and to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we can ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. So we are we are looking at this prayer again, and um, yeah, next time I will remember to actually not hold the camera and to put it still somewhere so it's not shaking quite so much. I'll say learning curve. Um, but yes, we're in this prayer and and sort of just hunkering down in this prayer for another week to see what God wants to say to us. And there are a couple of bits as I've been rereading it that have sort of not tripped me up. I've not stumbled over them, but so much as just being brought like a, a little flag in the road to say, hold on, wait there for a moment. So some of what I'm going to say repeats what I said last week, um, but bears repeating. Um, so what I wanted us to do was to think again about this um, prayer but being a means by which we appropriate what God has already given us in Christ. Now hopefully you can see that on the screen again. Um, and so 
I said last week, it's like having been given a gift, but in order to unwrap it and actually take it out of the box and to, to make it part of our lives and, and to allow to, for this relationship with this gift to, to, to have an effect on us, we actually need power. And so we need to pray for the power to do that, um, to take hold of all that God has for us. Because Paul prays that we would have power to grasp something. And this was the bit that I kind of got stuck on when I was reading through and kept coming back to. Why do we need power to grasp this? Except that there is something to grasp. It's not that it just exists. In one way, we are like, we're like fish swimming in water. Um, we don't notice the water. Um, the water is just part of our experience of life and it is the life-giving medium within which we live and in a sense that is God's presence his love his grace for all humanity and for us as Christians that is also the reality that we live within this wonderful medium of God's grace and his love but we can go through life like a fish swimming in, in water never really taking notice of it because it's all around us and it's all sort of within us and passing over our gills, whatever it might be. It's the means by which we live and move and have our being. And yet, sometimes we're not really aware of it. And so I recognise in these words, in this prayer of Paul's, that we have to ask for the power to grasp the reality that we experience and we live with anyway. You see, when we become Christians, we know this is true, that our status and our, our very being changes. We are a new creation. We've moved from being somebody living in the, the, the um, kingdom of darkness and we we're brought into the kingdom of life. We were once dead in our sins and now we are alive in Christ. We know that change has happened and we understand that intellectually. But there's something about living with access to God's immense love, like being given this gift and encouraged that it's ours, we can take it, we can unwrap it. This immense love of God is, is there for us to receive. The freedom that God offers us, the, the fullness, uh, this being filled to the measure of the fullness of God, that is available to us. But somehow Paul puts his finger on the need to ask for the power to actually grasp that. Otherwise, we live with our new status without it making a difference on our experience of our life. Um, in my reading this week, I came across an excerpt from um, a memoir, I suppose you'd say, um, of a POW um, at the end of the war. And Ed's gonna read that excerpt for us in a moment. But it, it struck me again, this is, in a sense, it's the same thing that I felt God speaking to me about in this prayer from, from Paul, that the status of us as his beloved children, our status now has changed from what it was before. Because we're in Christ, so much has changed. And yet our lived experience of that may still fall short. The freedom that a, a, a POW might have been given because the war had come to an end, maybe didn't translate right away into an experience of living the life of freedom. And um, listen to these words and just see if this, this more recent picture analogy helps us to understand what I feel God's sort of putting his finger on in this prayer of Paul's. So Ed, if you wouldn't mind reading that, that'd be great. 
we limped on. We wanted to see the camp surroundings for the first time with the eyes of free men. Freedom. We repeated to ourselves that we couldn't grasp it. We came to meadows full of flowers. We saw and realised that they were there, but we had no feelings about them. The first spark of joy came when we saw a rooster with a tail of multicoloured feathers, but it remained only a spark. We didn't yet belong to that world. In the evening, when we all met again in our hut, one said secretly to the other, tell me, were you pleased today? And the other replied, feeling ashamed, as if he did not know that we all felt similarly. Truthfully, no. One day, a few days after the liberation, I walked through the country past flowering meadows for miles and miles towards the market town near the camp. Larks rose to the sky and I could hear their joyous song. There was no one to be seen for miles around. There was nothing but the wide earth and sky and the lark's jubilation and the freedom of space. I stopped, looked around and up to the sky and then I went down on my knees. Thank you, Ed. So the thoughts that um, I felt sort of rising in me as I was pondering these words of Paul's prayer. And I don't know if this is for anybody specifically or if actually this is the um, secret that many Christians feel at various times. This sense in which God has promised so much and yet I'm not experiencing it. That there is something missing. The cage is open. I have the freedom to fly, but somehow I'm not experiencing what it is to fly. I've been set free because the war has ended, yet I can't actually enjoy this freedom that apparently is mine. So I don't know if that is a specific word for somebody today, but if it is, and if it resonates with you, then hear Paul's advice, or at least his, his modelled prayer, which is, to pray for the power of God to enable you to grasp the truth, the truth of his love and the immensity, the dimensions of God's love, but to also embrace, grasp onto the truth of the promises of God, the freedom, the, the fullness of God that he, that he promises in that John 10, 10 life, life that Jesus promises is life to full. Now, it's true that we're not going to experience uh, life in all its fullness until perhaps we are um, face to face with Jesus. Because in this world, there is so much that is broken and our experience is, is not fullness. But, but I think we can be contented with knowing that our status has changed without actually living as if we're free. For some of us this morning, 
I feel that we need to have the courage to ask God for the power, his power to be unleashed in our lives so that we can grasp this and live in the reality of the freedom and the forgiveness and the newness of life that he has promised us and that he has given us in Christ. And it might not be an instant thing. It might be something that we actually have to repeat time and time again until we become aware of this new life that we have in Christ. But I think what I want to say is I don't want to leave any of us feeling unable to move out of the cage, even though the door is open. So maybe that's the message for you this morning. Um, something about needing that power to be unleashed, to enjoy all that God has for you. And I recognise that actually some of us um, live with disappointment. Um, we're not into the business of saying that following Jesus is about wealth and health and happiness. That, you know, if you follow Jesus, then you'll have loads of money. You'll be safe from the coronavirus and any other cancer or anything else, that your life will be perfect. Jesus himself didn't promise that. So it would be foolish in the extreme for us to make out that that is the gospel. It's not. The gospel is knowing and grasping the love of God, knowing our freedom from sin and being led into a life following Jesus, which will include hardship, it will include struggle, it will include all those things, but we will be free in that. And we will be um, experiencing what it is to live um, with all that God has promised us, um, including his presence and his empowering and his assurances and you know so much of that. There are some of us who are living with disappointment in God, if we're honest with ourselves, and maybe we have prayed for things that haven't come to pass and we struggle with that you see the next part of Paul's um, prayer at the end there is his sort of cry of praise that he wants us to praise and give glory in the church and in Christ and throughout all generations forever and ever amen he wants us to praise the one who he describes as the one who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine. That's how he refers to God, the one who deserves our praise, the one who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine. And because of that, Paul, I think, encourages us to pray with expectation. But as I say, for some of us who have prayed with expectation and yet have been disappointed in the sense that what we've prayed for has not happened yet or definitively God answered it differently. God acted other than how we asked. And for some of us, actually, that throws us back a stage that to believe God and to, is able, perhaps we can say, yeah, I believe that God is able to do this, but does he want to? Is God really a God of love? And in that case, we need to go back a stage. We need to go back to ask for power to grasp the height, the depth, the breadth, the length of God's love for us and to be secure in that. And out of that, then to come back to a place of praying with expectation that God, who is able not only to do all that we ask, not only to do all that we ask and imagine, but to do more than all we ask and imagine, to do immeasurably more than all we ask and imagine. That's the God to whom Paul encourages us to give glory and to bring our prayers to. 
so there is the, the two things that God was sort of uh, flagging up to me as I was contemplating this prayer this week was that first one about um, living in the reality of our freedom and, and, and needing power to grasp the love of God for us, to actually grasp it so it's not just something that we can recite and we know that's the answer, it's in intellectual knowledge, but actually it's a, an ability to live the experience of God's wonderful love and all that that entails. But also the second uh, flag in the road as I was going along looking at this, this prayer was this idea of praying with expectation. God, uh, Paul clearly believed that God was able to do amazing things. God didn't answer every prayer of Paul's. God sometimes stopped him in his tracks and stopped him from going somewhere he thought he was supposed to be going. God didn't prevent Paul from being thrown into prison, from being flogged, nearly, nearly stoned. He, he didn't prevent, it, ultimately, Paul from being martyred. But Paul consistently believed that God was a God who was able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine. And he does say that that, work, that power is at work within us. So he knows that this amazing power of God to do all that is immeasurably more than we could ask or imagine, that that power is already there at work in us. Now, praying with expectation um, reminded me this week, and I think God led me to read a little bit about the life of William Carey, um, who was... Uh, he's been called the father of the modern Protestant mission. Um, he, was, he was audacious enough to suggest to his church that he should, be, he should be going overseas, to India particularly, to preach the word of God, to see lives changed, to plant churches, you know, to, to do Christian mission that hadn't really been done in that way before. And he was roundly scolded by the elders of the church, telling him that you know, when God saw fit to uh, convert the heathen, he didn't, have, didn't need the likes of you to do it. You know, it was very, he was very much put down, yet he went anyway. And, and his life spent in India was one of hardship and seeing very little fruit for a long time. And yet, towards the end, things began to move and he was the one who sort of broke the ground and because of him we have this whole uh, legacy of mission um, in the Protestant church particularly and the, uh, the Bible colleges and, and all of that in India is there because this one man and he lived his life um, or at least he summed up in one of the things he wrote he summed up something really important about his life perspective how he lived it and it was his sense of expectation of God he said expect great things from God attempt great things for God expect great things from God and attempt great things for God and this was a man who clearly attempted great things for God but he didn't do it on his own strength the first thing came first and that was knowing God knowing God who is able and expecting great things from him but then not just sitting back but getting out there and attempting great things for God. And I love the fact that maybe it's his humility or maybe it's just his turn of phrase, but it doesn't say expect great things from God, achieve great things for God. He says expect great things from God, attempt great things from God, for God. 
And so there's an acknowledgement there that even in our attempting to, to, to step out in faith, there may yet be times when we fail. There may be yet times when we fall flat on our face or we get it wrong. We need God to just move us slightly uh, in a different direction. However, this drive that comes from knowing God, having had the power to grasp the love of God and to, to see the fullness of God at work in our lives, then we can expect great things from him. And in turn, therefore, we can attempt great things from him. We can have that courage to do that. And it comes, again, from the power that is at work in us. So we come back time and again to this uh, need to recognise the power of God and to pray for it to be unleashed in us. So I don't know what God is attempting, what God is asking you to attempt for him. It may be big things. It may be very small, but challenging things. I don't know how he's asking you at the moment to step out in faith. Again, it could be big life changes or it might be really small things about returning to work or <clears throat> making connections with people, of being able to have the courage to speak to neighbours, whatever it is. Um, the challenge, I think, from this prayer of Paul's is, are you... Are you able to trust that God is able to do great things and amazingly to use you to accomplish them? So God, this is, this is our prayer for, particularly for our week as we go into another week of things that might seem uh, a little bit scary or challenging. Nevertheless, we believe that you are a God who is able. And so we pray enlarge our dreams and enthuse our minds, inspire our faith and empower our resolve that growing in the likeness of Christ, we may be unafraid to live this day to your praise and glory. Amen. <clears throat>